This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy, and thank you so much for joining us today. Holy cats, we got a... Okay, we went from Katie Seagal. We did. Stacy, you're bringing us another Seagal today. Steven Seagal, no relation to the very wonderful Katie Seagal. Uh, yes, this is the long and weirding road that is the life of uh, noted Buddhist spiritual leader and Vladimir Putin BFF Steven Seagal. I can assure you, friends, that you are not ready. I'm going to throw in a little little content warning here because there is some allegations of assault in this story. So use your judgment. Wow. Mm -hmm. I hate everything about you. Everything. Mm -hmm. Let's go, go, go. Okay, Stacy, Steven Seagal, spill the trash, spill the dirt. I mean, big thanks to Melissa O for compiling this incredible catalog of horrible conduct. All right, friends. Steven Seagal. This trash bag has managed to stay under the radar for quite a while, despite some epically trashy behavior. As far as trash cans go, this may end up being a new record, and many of those trash cans may be located in Russia. Oh. Oh, yeah. International trash cans. Yes. The ones in Russia come, I think, pre-on-fire. I'm not sure. Steven Seagal began in Hollywood as a stuntman before he began starring in movies in the late 1980s. Once he began appearing in movies, he quickly became a household name as a popular action hero. His films, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Out for Justice, and Under Siege were all big box office hits back in the heady days of the 80s, 90s, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Do you know you could make each one of those movies just starring a cat? You could. And it would still be a hit. Uh Out for Justice. Uh Hard to Kill. Nine Lives. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Marked, Marked for Death. Where's a cat when you need them? I mean, under siege is, uh, you know, we all feel that way from our cats. Okay. Steven Seagal did not limit his activities to just making movies. He was active in the real martial arts world, not just as stunts for the movies. He became a reserve deputy chief in the Jefferson Parish uh, Police Department of Louisiana. Why? We don't know. He dabbled as a musician. He became best buds with Vladimir Putin. Yes, he became a Russian citizen and has stated that he, quote, would like to consider Putin as a brother. Oh. Um, ironically, Vladimir Putin, sensible guy that maybe he is, has been described as wanting to distance himself from Steven Seagal. That's a, that's, that's a hot take right there. Wow. Too weird for Putin is, that's weird. In addition to keeping himself busy with all those things, Steven Seagal has been married four times. He's widely considered a bully on movie sets. He has gotten into public fights with stunt performers on his movies. Sure, why not? He considers himself a political activist, and he's even been charged with federal securities violations. It is quite the CV. With that laundry list, it may not surprise you to know that Steven Seagal has been accused of sexual harassment and misconduct by some very familiar names several times. Some of his accusers are Jenny McCarthy, Portia de Rossi, Juliana Margulies, as well as some names we wouldn't recognize. 
And in 2018, actress Regina Simons, an extra on his 1994 film On Deadly Ground, claimed that Seagal raped her after the movie's rap party. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Possibly one of the most fascinating parts of Steven Seagal is his belief that he has reached a new level of enlightenment with his Buddhist practices. (laughs) In fact, he has been quoted as saying, quote, people all over the world recognize me as a spiritual leader. Oh, do they? I'm not sure which world he was specifically referring to. There is apparently a world where Steven Seagal is recognized as a spiritual leader. Now that we know a little bit about his life, some of his film titles like Above the Law and A Dangerous Man might make a little more sense. Steven Seagal was born April the 10th, 1952 in Lansing, Michigan. He did not live in Michigan long, though. When he was five, his family moved to California. Despite his physical appearance in adult life, his mother once told People magazine that as a child, Stephen was fragile and often sick with the effects of asthma. She called him a puny kid. Aww. He obviously overcame that. Sure. Uh, and this started to change after the move to California. This is like the real life karate kid is what's happening here. <laughs> that is what's playing out. When he was a teenager, except um, Stephen Seagal would be the bad guy in that, the blonde kid. Sure, sure, sure. sure. When he was a teenager, he got his first job as a dishwasher at a restaurant called The Wagon Wheel. This seemingly, from such humble origins, this seemingly menial job would end up changing his life. Oh, how so? One of the chefs at the restaurant was a Japanese Shotokan karate expert. Of course. Noticed how quickly Steven moved around the kitchen. I mean, he was a puny kid. I bet he was able to, like, dart and weave and work in a kitchen really well. Wash on. Wash off. Right? Mm -hmm. The chef teaches Steven some karate basics. He becomes obsessed, as as you would. I mean, you've been a puny kid with asthma. You probably got bullied. And here's a Japanese guy teaching you... Fight moves. Cool. Yeah. Fight moves. Yeah. Come on. Totally cool. Yeah. So he moved to Japan to study Aikido. Oh, Mm -hmm. he really becomes obsessed. really becomes obsessed. Interesting. I mean, in my little hometown in North Alabama, there was like a martial arts store in one of the local malls, and we would all go in and like hold throwing stars, like the ninja throwing stars. Like we we were all, that was all. He actually went to Japan to study. Yeah, that's a a Mm -hmm. different level than the mall. Yeah. In the mid-1980s, he and a fellow martial artist opened a dojo in West Hollywood. Natch. We ho. The timing was good for Steven Seagal types in Hollywood during the 80s and 90s because action movies had stars like Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Chuck Norris, and it was a big, big popular genre. It was the marvel of its day, really. Sure. The fight movies, the action movies. So Steven Seagal had great screen presence, and he was fairly handsome, so he was also able to turn himself into a star during this martial arts movie craze. No one can deny his popularity during that time. Big box office draw. But it wasn't hard to see that it wasn't going to have a long shelf life for a few reasons. His characters were predictable, always having a dark and mysterious past, but determined to seek justice. Whoever was his character's opponent in a movie would ultimately die in a gruesome and overly violent manner. Plots, sets, costumes, characters, they were always over the top and excessive. The 80s, man, we loved over the top and excessive There are only so many storylines that will work for that formula before audiences get a little fatigued. He rode the wave for as long as he could, though. By the 2000s, he was no longer in demand, and uh, he had built a reputation as being difficult and strange, 
Hollywood loves difficult and strange. They really, really do. He still appeared in movies, but most of them were direct to DVD. Like, he was no longer... The box office was no longer concerned with Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal always took himself very seriously. He refused to ever be, like, in on the joke. And he would get very angry with anyone who claimed he was anything other than the toughest person around. And he always had a need to be in charge. Now that it's been a few decades since Steven Seagal's prime, he would love to hear that about himself. He manages to return to the spotlight now and then, but for reasons that most people would not find desirable. Except for us here on Trashy Divorces. Booyah! (laughs) Who in the world is talking about Steven Seagal this week except us? I mean, come on. Us. Us. It's our job. All right, it seems that Steven Seagal craves attention however he can get it, and today we're going to give it to him. (laughs) Rough justice. Rough justice! All right, his first marriage, 1975 to 1986. Note those dates, especially that end date. I'm making a note. Steven Seagal's first wife was Miyako Fujitani, also an Aikido master and eventually became an instructor. Their mutual love of the martial arts brought them together. They met at the Los Angeles airport in July 1974 during an Aikido seminar. She said that when they met, he <laughs> he looked, quote, like a Japanese ghost in one of those Hawaiian shirts, the really bright ones. The two married, and they opened this dojo in WeHo. The WeHo Dojo. If they didn't call it that, they really missed out. They probably picked something, like, really, like, fierce as a name, but WeHo Dojo says it all. Pretty good. It's got everything. It really does. They had two children, son in 75, daughter in 79. But their marital happiness did not last. As Stephen started to pursue other interests, he began to pull away from his family in a story as old as time. One of the other interests was his second wife, whom he married in... Sorry, what was that last date I told you? 1986. I've been remembering it. Interesting, because he got married again in 1984. Ooh! That's bigamy. That's bigamy. Yes, he married for the second time during his first marriage, and weirdly... (laughs) Okay, I need you to... You just take a breath because um, that second marriage during his first marriage is not actually why the first marriage ended. Oh. Apparently, Miyako is a very forgiving woman who could put up with a lot. But what she <laughs> could not put up with was uh, when he began an affair with the actress Kelly LeBrock. This was the reason. Wait a minute. Yes. Okay, so we have wife number one, mm-hmm. 10 years of marriage, but we marry wife number two while we're still married to wife number mm-hmm. one. But we're also having a fling with Kelly LeBrock. Yes. Fantastic. So, yes, when we talk about the 80s being over the top, I just, (laughs) case in point. All right. Stephen and Miyako did divorce in 1986. Miyako said once he was gone, he was gone. I had to raise my children. I don't know how we got by. Sometimes we could only afford cheap brown rice for dinner. So that's that's great. He's not, he doesn't care for his kids. Cool, cool, cool. Stephen met and married Days of Our Lives actress Adrienne LaRussa in 1984. LaRussa had small roles in several shows in the 70s and 80s, including The Streets of San Francisco, Beretta, Logan's Run, Charlie's Angels, General Hospital. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But it was her two-year run as Brooke Hamilton on Days of Our Lives that made her recognizable. They met. They apparently decided to get married very quickly. For instance, before he had divorced, (laughs) Stephen did not actually mention that he was, in fact, already lawfully wed. 
When Adrienne discovered that her husband had another wife and two children, she filed for an annulment. Smart woman. Stephen did not contest it, and the annulment was granted. She would go on to remarry in 1987, and Stephen returned to Miyako until he had another affair and wanted to marry his next mistress. Oh, my. That is to Kelly LeBrock. Okay. In 1987, when Steven Seagal married Kelly LeBrock, she was one of the most famous actresses coming off her two giant successes, The Woman in Red and Weird Science. Oh, yeah. 80s. God, so it was a magical time. So good. As well as her iconic Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful Pantene commercials. Over the top, people, I'm telling you. Apparently... Kelly and Stephen were carrying on an affair while he was still married, but I'm not sure to, to two whom. wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tricky. Their first child was born before they could legally get married because he was not yet divorced from his first wife. I'm not sure where the annulment from his second wife. I it's all very confusing. No matter. They tied the knot in 1987 and proceeded to have two more kids. Kelly was married to Stephen during his prime movie star years. They both starred in the film Hard to Kill in 1990. Sure. It debuted in the number one spot at the U.S. box office and made close to $50 million. Wow. Yeah. Although they stayed married for nearly a decade, and the final straw didn't come until Stephen had an affair with their nanny. (gasps) No. The marriage was not a smooth ride, you'll be surprised to hear. Kelly filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Gotta love it. But details remained pretty quiet. Uh, I think they both wanted to keep it out of the news for the kids. Once the divorce was over, Kelly, like, dropped out. She was just not a public person anymore. Her absence from Hollywood in the spotlight was her choice. She says she voluntarily quit Hollywood to live a quieter life in California's Santa Inez Valley. She told the Daily Mail, when I split with Stephen, the divorce was very ugly and details of the case were on the evening news. I didn't want my kids seeing it, so I got rid of the TV. Very, very smart. I moved my kids out of L.A. so they could grow up with real people, the kids of gas pump attendants, plumbers, and real family people. I admit I became a hermit. I had absolutely no self-esteem. I hated myself. I decided to swap my old life in Beverly Hills for a new one in the country in Santa Barbara. When Page Six asked her how she felt about Seagal and all the allegations that happened since their marriage, she said, I feel sorry for the man. I think that he's just a very sad person, and he is what I would call a tragedy of Hollywood. I wish him all the best. (laughs) Good on you, Kelly LeBrock. That's a great statement. Uh, There was that time that Steven Seagal hosted Saturday Night Live. This was April 20th, 1991. And again, keep in mind, this he was one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. It's hard to believe that now, but... April 20, 1991, Steven Seagal hosted Saturday Night Live, and it became one of the most infamous episodes of the long-running show's history. Descriptions of his behavior and lack of any kind of comedic impulse about anything vary, but everyone agrees it was awful. David Spade joked, quote, I think maybe his one-inch ponytail was too tight that <laughs> night. <laughs> Spade also wrote in his book, Live from New York, The Complete Uncensored History of Saturday Night Live, quote, he didn't want to go along with what the plan was that week. As a result, I think that was the first week that I heard talk about replacing the host and just doing a cast show. What? <sighs> Cast member Julia Sweeney recalled, when we pitched some of our own ideas for Seagal at our Monday meeting, he gave us some of his own sketch ideas, and some of his sketch ideas were so heinous, so hilariously awful, it was like we were on candid camera. Oh my god. 
Can you imagine, like, the cast is literally expecting, like, a camera crew to jump out and punk them. Like, you've been punked. Because they were that terrible. No way this guy is actually pitching ideas this bad. Yikes. Al Franken, who was on the show for 15 seasons and saw hundreds of guest hosts, described Stephen as the, quote, worst host lapped every other bad host. I mean, that says something. That's a, wow. Yep. Franken says, quote, everything you hear about him is absolutely fucking true. He's always (laughs) bragging on something that he did that he didn't actually do. And he's just the most awful person in so many ways. Wow. (laughs) You hope that Al Franken doesn't end up eulogizing Stephen, or maybe you do hope that Al Franken ends up eulogizing Stephen one day. Anyway, Franken and Sweeney both have said that Stephen pitched a sketch to them and Lorne Michaels where he would play Victoria Jackson's psychiatrist. She would come into his office for therapy. He would hypnotize her and have sex with her while she was unconscious. (gasps) No! Stephen suggested the funny part would come at the end when he wakes her out of her hypnotic state and tells her that she has to come back every week for more sessions. (sighs) That's not comedy. That's terrible. No, that's... Yeah. That's that's sexual assault. That's my rape fantasy that I would wow. like to put on your show, Lorne. Yeah, that's a big no. Yeah, that's a, that's a big no. Norm MacDonald, dearly departed, cast member from, you know, he told the New York Daily News, quote, he didn't want to be on sketches, just not a nice guy. Mm. All of the cast members there at that time say that he was the worst guest host they ever experienced. At one point, he even locked himself in his dressing room and wouldn't come out to show his protest of the show rejecting his ideas. Political activist. Super mature, dude. (laughs) Super mature. When the episode aired, it quickly became infamous. Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels removed it from rerun rotation and banned the actor from returning. Lorne Michaels has been willing to joke about the disastrous episode and guest host afterward, though. When Nicolas Cage guest hosted the following season, the opening was a bit where Cage was making terribly inappropriate jokes and comments to women, and Michaels has to talk to him and explain how he was being offensive. After Nicolas Cage, you know, playing this role, understands why he's in the wrong here, he feels terrible and he worries that fans will probably think he's, quote, the biggest jerk who's ever been on the show. And Lauren Michaels deadpans his response, no, 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 no. That would be Steven Seagal. Wow, that's... (laughs) Pretty bad. Pulled from reruns? Yeah, I guess you can't find it on on YouTube. That's how bad it was. That's got to be bad. I would think. Yeah. This is a great spot to pause. I don't know if it can get more trashy, but I feel like it's gonna. It's gonna get more trashy. We're gonna come back and we're gonna hear about how he assaulted John Leguizamo on set one time. Wow. See on the flip, friends. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, 
an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're three marriages up, three divorces down, terrible guest host. <laughs> and what vi- else? violent as well, violent and controlling. What else happens with Steven Seagal? Rarely does a Hollywood feud last as long as the one between Steven Seagal and John Leguizamo has. This started nearly 30 years ago. Oh my God. Back in 1996 he, on the set of a film called Executive Decision. According to Leguizamo, the origin of their beef started when Stephen walked onto the set of Executive Decision on the first day of rehearsals. John says he came in and was like, low, breathy voice, I'm in command. What I say is law. So I started like laughing. I mean, who the fuck talks like that? (laughs) Who comes into a rehearsal and says that shit? So I started laughing and he slammed me with an Aikido elbow against a brick wall and knocked all the air out of me. Oh my God. So John further explains that he then dropped to the ground, gasping for breath and asking, why did you just assault me? After this incident and further similar behavior on set by Steven Seagal, Leguizamo started to come early on the days that Steven would be filming death scenes, even if he did not, strictly speaking, need to be there. I wanted to see him die. It was like fantasy, he would say. Wow. Since then, John Leguizamo has written and performed a one-man play, which made it all the way to Broadway. It's about his path from obscurity to stardom and tells stories from his career. In 2014, he told the LA Times that he's respectful to everyone he mentions in the stories in his play, except for Steven Seagal. Sounds right. Mm -hmm. He told the LA Times, I'm not really attacking anybody in the whole show except Steven Seagal. Well, it sounds like there's probably proper reason for that. Mm -hmm. It does not end there. Uh, There's a recent 2022 film uh, called The Menu that I think it's a streamer. Anyway, I, I watched it. John Leguizamo plays this like over-the-hill, washed-up action hero who's, like, in this fancy restaurant for, you know, the purpose of the of the movie. Anyway, so he's this, like, past-his-prime action star trying to keep his career alive, and he told Entertainment Weekly, I've met lots of these stars like that, maybe before they were washed up. I mean, now they're washed up. I kind of based mine on Steven Seagal. I had a bad run-in with him. We did a movie together. It was executive decision. He's kind of a horrible human. And then there's the time he perhaps paid off a prominent Buddhist leader to make him a llama. I'm sorry, what? Not the animal kind. Just when you thought it could not get stranger. In June 1997, Steven Seagal was elevated to sacred status in Tibetan Buddhism. One of Tibet's leading spiritual teachers proclaimed that Steven Seagal is a reincarnated llama and a sacred vessel of Tibetan Buddhism. In Buddhism, he was now spiritually elevated to what is known as, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the Tolku category, uh, the Dalai Lama, 
Dalai Lamas are also considered to be tolku. It means transformation body. It's a person who's been identified as the emanation of a deceased master. Now, typically, this when children recognize the artifacts of a deceased teacher, they're typically you're typically tapped as a child for this. Like, ah, you are the reincarnation of so and so because you are naturally drawn to so and so's things, right? Sure, that kind of thing. Well, you know, Steven Seagal, not a child. Um, so this is what Buddhist leader Penor Rinpoche, perhaps. All beings have within them the potential for becoming Buddhas. With Steven Seagal, I perceived this potential to be particularly strong. He went on to rule, It is possible to be both a popular movie star and a tulku. So that's... There were allegations that he bribed this guy, but who knows? I... Okay. Wow. How about bromance with an evil dictator? Okay, let's get to it. I mean, I we're going to need showers and trash uh, cans. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a new level. This is international trash cans now. Oh, it just keeps getting worse, too. Oh, fantastic. You, bromance with the evil dictator isn't the worst. It gets worse. Alicia, don't, don't sleep on Steven. Most of us consider Vladimir Putin to be a fairly dangerous, power-hungry, brutal dictator. Steven Seagal, though... Counterpoint, he's called Putin one of the greatest world leaders, if not the greatest world leader alive today. Hmm. Okay. Was this a long ago quote? Was this a misquote? Oh, no, no, no. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine, when the entire world was outraged, Steven Seagal's response was to say that Putin's actions toward Ukraine were, quote, very reasonable. The two met at a Moscow film festival in 03. And they bonded over their love of martial arts. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. Soon, they were hanging out like they were old buddies. They had dinners together. They visited dojos. They even visited the Russian Olympic judo team during their preparations for the 2012 Games. Their relationship wasn't just personal. In 2015, Putin asked President Obama to make Steven Seagal an honorary consul of Russia in California and Arizona so that he could liaise between our two great nations. President Obama wisely did not do that, but that did not stop the pair from hanging out or Stephen from spending a great deal of time in Russia. I bet Vladimir Putin's pretty fun to go get ice cream with. Boy. Let's get a banana split. Yeah, so Seagal's like making public appearances. He's doing martial arts performances at events. He did a musical concert, which might have been more of a punishment for the people of Russia than anything else, but who can say really... In 2016, he became a Russian citizen. I'm sorry, what? Yes. And uh, holds a Russian passport signed by Vladimir Putin himself. When granting citizenship to Steven Seagal, Putin said that he hoped the actor could promote, quote, gradual normalization of the relationship between Russia and the United States. I bet he meant that, too. In April of 2022... Again, a few months after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Stephen doubled down on his support of his buddy Vlad. Seagal was recorded giving a motivational speech at the Kremlin. The video, yeah, right? Oh, God. Just a little pep talk to all you murderers. Okay, the video was shared on Twitter, showing him toasting Russian leaders and saying, quote, Each and every one of you, you are my family and my friends, and I love all of you, and we stand together through thick and through thin. He is a poet at heart. Don't know how that translates into Russian. In October of 2022, he wished Putin a happy birthday, 
with an Instagram video saying in part, quote, I just realized that today is a very important day. Today is President Putin's birthday, and I think we are now living in very trying times. He is one of the greatest world leaders and one of the I don't know why I'm doing this voice. But I have no idea either. It's cool. terrible. He's one of the greatest world leaders and one of the greatest presidents in the world. And I'm really hoping and praying he gets the support and the love and the respect he needs. Putin, he's so dreamy. My counterpoint, I hope he doesn't. So we're going to take another break here. And when we come back, so many sexual misconduct allegations. It just gets worse. Oh, God. All right. Back in a minute. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So we're pretty far down the sewer dumpster of the sewer, Steven Seagal. The sewer dumpster. The yep. dumpster sewer. Yeah. So in addition to so much other questionable behavior, Steven Seagal has been accused by many different women of many different kinds of sexually inappropriate behavior. You'll be shocked to learn. This ranges from harassment to rape. Just everything under the sun, really. So Jenny McCarthy claims that Steven Seagal pressured her to undress during an audition for Under Siege 2 in 1995. According to her, Steven said, you know, this part has nudity in it, and I can't really tell what your body looks like in that dress you're wearing. Oh, nope. On her Sirius XM radio show, she told the story. In my head, I'm like, okay, here we go. Sound the alarms. This is not a test. This is the real thing. Activate all defense systems. But I so wanted to legitimately read for this part, and I wasn't going to give up yet. So I told him, listen, my agent says there's no nudity. I specifically asked her, and she said no. McCarthy claimed. Seagal then said, there is off-camera nudity. I'm sorry, what mm. is off-camera nudity? I'm sorry, what is off-camera? I, I think that's where you go home from the set and maybe Change hop into the shower. Yeah. To, Interesting. So there's off-camera nudity. Anyway. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Yes. She says that he said there is off-camera nudity, and then he asked her to lower her dress. She said, could we please read the scene? To which he reportedly said, so I can see your breasts. Nope. McCarthy claims she responded by telling him to go buy my Playboy video. It's on sale for $19.99 and then left. Seagal followed her to her car and warned her not to tell anyone about what had just happened or else. That's a quotation. She says it was so disheartening. And I thought about, like, I was the last girl that day. How many girls had to take off their clothes? How many more girls had to do more? It just so grossed me out. For off-screen nudity? For off-screen nudity. Brand new mm -hmm. on Trashy Divorces, mm -hmm. that one. Yeah, it sounds like Jenny McCarthy maybe did a little bit of quiet quitting there when it... Uh... <laughs> anyway, 
more actresses. So Portia de Rossi in 2017, de Rossi tweeted about her experience with Steven Seagal during an audition, writing, quote, He told me how important it was to have chemistry off screen as he sat me down and unzipped his leather pants. No, nope, nope, nope. Portia said that she ran out of the audition and called her agent. Her agent did not appear to be upset about this and replied, well, I didn't know if he was your type. (gasps) Hollywood is rotten. Okay. 2021, Juliana Margulies, she was on ER back in the day, opened up about what she described as her traumatic hotel room experience with Steven Seagal. On Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast, she talked about meeting the action star when she auditioned for her very first film role. Quote, I was straight out of college and all I wanted was my SAG card. Her agent sent her on an audition for a Steven Seagal action movie. She did well at the initial audition and received a callback for a second, which would actually be with Seagal in the room. According to Yahoo Entertainment, the night before this second audition, she got a call from the casting director, Shades of Harvey Weinstein here, saying that Stephen requested that she go to his New York City hotel suite to prepare for their scene the next day. Oh, no. Yeah, he's just having women served to him in his hotel room. When she got there, there was no casting director, just a hulking six-foot-four star who was casually holding a gun as they spoke in the living room. Excuse me? Oh, yes. Soon after, he asked her to move to the bedroom to continue discussing her character. At gunpoint? At gunpoint, quote, a hooker with a heart of gold because he was tired after a long day. I just wanted to lay down and we'll just talk about it while I... While I hold my gun? Repose. Anyway. (sighs) Juliana wrote in detail about the traumatic experience in her memoir, Sunshine Girl. She wrote that she first arrived in Stephen's hotel suite, and when she sat on the couch, she felt something hard under the cushion, and this was the gun. Stephen said he kept it there to be safe from crazies. Sure. I mean, look around the room, Stephen. Yeah, read the room. We know who the crazy is. But uh, held it the entire time they spoke about the film role, which she believes was meant to intimidate her. I suspect her instinct is good there. So she says, quote, Pretending I wasn't shitting myself was the best course of action. <laughs> just start right. Just start talking, say something, deflect. So while they discussed her sex worker character, he told her, quote, he had a really long day and needed to lie down. Sure. Oh, poor Steven. He's so tired. Just worn out. Okay. Wanted to finish that conversation in the bedroom. Oh my God. She said that her stomach was lurching and I could feel my skin getting clammy. He ushered me into the bedroom, which compelled me to talk faster. I was trying to buy time. I had to talk my way out. That much I knew. I had no chance of survival against a giant with a gun. So in the room, this is according to Yahoo Entertainment, he rested the gun on the table, took her hand in his, and quote, in all seriousness, said, Juliana, I am a healer. I can read your palm and tell you what kind of pain you're in. I can help you out of your pain. He's a giver. She declined, noting that it was nearly midnight and she had to get home, and then backed out of the room and then, quote, headed for the door as fast as I could without breaking into a sprint. He followed me a few steps but seemed to find the whole scenario amusing as he leaned one arm on the door jamb of the bedroom and watched me scurry. As she made her way to the lobby, she wrote, quote, My heart was pounding so hard I thought my head would explode. So she still has to go to the second audition the next day. Oh my God, so what happened? She's just had this terrifying experience with this guy. 
She says that she was greeted, you know, by him with this smarmy smile. However, she writes, I shrugged it off, acted my heart out, and got the gig. So she got her she got her SAG card. While in LA for the two-week shoot, she said she asked the hair and makeup professionals to make sure that one of them was always with her. Oh, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she wrote, I didn't want to be left in a room with Seagal ever. I wasn't about to make the same mistake again. So she made sure someone was always around even when the cameras were, were not running. She noted, quote, Seagal gave me a hard time making jokes at my expense, but I paid no attention. I wanted the SAG card. I needed the job. And the truth is I was having a blast with the other actors. I loved being on a set and getting paid to act was the dream I had been waiting for. I wasn't going to let him spoil that. In January of 2018, the BBC reported that Bond girl Rachel Grant claimed that Steven Seagal attempted to expose himself to her during an audition for his film Out for a Kill in 2002. According to the BBC, Grant, who was 26 at the time, was excited to meet Steven because he was one of her childhood idols. Man, she claims that Steven told her to come to his hotel suite and there he asked her to take her top off several times. She refused. She says, quote, I stood up to try to distract him, but he was able to tug down my top, which was strapless. My breasts were completely exposed and I was forced to cover myself. He pushed me onto the bed with force and said, I suppose you want to see my... No, I do not. I was looking up and he started to pull down his zipper. I burst into tears. He told me that he liked to date actresses he worked with to improve the on-screen chemistry. Steven, you're killing it there, generating really great chemistry. No, it just sounds like these are a lot of very repeatable through lines of... Well, here's his um, one-day assistant. Oh, no. Uh, Blair Robinson, who happens to be the granddaughter of Ray Charles, met Steven Seagal at her grandfather's funeral in 2004. He invited her to his home to discuss a job as his assistant. In a sworn legal declaration, Robinson claims that after taking the job as his assistant, Stephen told her she was required to give him massages. No. Mm-hmm. No. She said it became clear to me that he wanted and expected sexual favors as part of my job duties, and so she quit on her first day. That's a bad job. Bad job. According to TMZ, another one of Stephen's assistants, Caden Wen also accused him of sexual assault and filed a lawsuit against him, claiming not only did he sexually assault her, but that he was also involved in human trafficking. Wen claims that when she showed up for work, she found two young female Russian attendants, that's in quotation marks, who, were, who were on call for Stephen's sexual needs 24-7. Oh my God. She also claims that on her first night on the job, he treated her, quote, as his sex toy, fondling her and thrusting his hand down her pants. Unfortunately, these stories could go on and on. This is just a selection of the allegations. Sadly, some of them are worse than those reported above. And Steven Seagal denies all allegations of sexual misconduct of any kind, of course. But hey. In March of 2018, Lisa Bloom, prominent attorney, represented two women who accused Steven Seagal of rape in 2002. Both of these women were teenagers at the time of the assault, and one believed that she had been drugged by the actor. Stevens' attorneys made the following statement to Good Morning America. Quote, Mr. Seagal denies all accusations and continues to stand his ground that he is not engaged in any such misconduct. The allegations that have been made against Mr. Seagal 
are false and have no substantive material support. The accounts of both women are completely fictitious and totally made up. The allegations are a disservice to women who are victimized because of real predators in the film industry. LAPD did investigate, but in December of 2018, announced that they could not bring a criminal case against Steven Seagal because of California's statute of limitations. Mm. Not an exoneration, notably. Hey, but he got married again. Hooray. Oh, goody. In 2002, while on a trip to Mongolia to assess filming locations, Steven Seagal met wife number four. This is dancer Erdenatoya Batsuk. She was his guide and his interpreter on the trip. And after the trip, she moved to L.A. with him. Oh, she sure. stayed on as his assistant working for him for several years before they married in 2009. They welcomed a son a few months later. Erdenatoya's birth date is not known to me, uh, but she appears to be much younger than Stephen. As of today, they are still married, so mazel on that. I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. The Securities and Exchange Commission puts Stephen Seagal under siege. What? In February of 2020, we may have missed this because of all the things happening in February of 2020, Steven Seagal was charged with unlawfully touting digital assets. NFTs, man. The charges included Steven failing to disclose payments that he received for promoting an investment in, oh man, initial coin offering, ICO, I suppose is, okay. This was conducted by Bitcoin2Gen, B2G. The SEC press release stated, The SEC's order finds that Seagal failed to disclose he was promised $250,000 in cash and $750,000 worth of B2G tokens in exchange for his promotions, which include posts on his public social media accounts, encouraging the public not to miss out on Bitcoin to Jen's ICO and a press release titled Zen Master Steven Seagal has become the brand ambassador to Bitcoin to Jen. Now just pay me in real money. I like, I like real money. The Securities and Exchange Commission goes on. These investors were entitled to know about payments Seagal received or was promised to endorse this investment so they could decide whether he may be biased. Celebrities are not allowed to use their social media influence to tout securities without appropriately disclosing their compensation. Okay, so um, Steven Seagal did not admit to any wrongdoing, but he did agree to pay $157,000 in um, disgorgement. Did he pay it in bitcoins or did he pay it in real money? Yeah. Good question. As well as a $157,000 penalty. And in addition, he agreed not to promote any securities, digital or otherwise, for three (laughs) years. And, you know, three years, like, you might miss the whole crypto market. You don't know. All right. Not... The only evidence, but more evidence, that Steven Seagal is not just a martial arts guru, but an all-around trash bag. I, I, don't, I don't know how many trash cans to award Steven Seagal. There's a meme here that Melissa left for us that is a picture of Steven Seagal looking ridiculous. And it says, Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris's bitch since 1988. Wow. There are trash cans all around the world who think of Steven Seagal every time something is dropped in them. <laughs> He's our hero. He's our spiritual leader. What if he, maybe that's who spiritual he Spiritual leader of trash cans. He's a spiritual leader of trash cans. We're going to have to revamp the entire Trashy Divorces Cinematic Universe now that we have almost like a Pope figure for trash cans. 
That sounds pretty terrible. It's it's not it's not great. There there is I've got more. There's a little spider egg at the end for oh for, coming for Patreon for folks. Patreon folks, because yeah, it it sort of never stops with Steven Seagal, spiritual leader and martial arts king of the WeHo Dojo, and trash cans, and yes, spiritual leader to trash cans everywhere. So that's that's my story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well done on that terrible, terrible, trashy tale. Everybody go take a shower. Just wash it off you. And when you throw your next pile of trash away, please think of Steven Seagal. <laughs> Y'all, thanks everybody for joining us today. Stacy. I would say thank you, but I'm not sure if that's the appropriate term. Patreon folks, be sure to stay tuned for Spider Eggs. We got a little bit more dirt coming for you. As always, lots of fun stuff happening over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. You can get some free episodes too at bit.ly slash trash candy. Y'all, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be back with some new fresh trash candy for you this weekend. As always, we adore your trashy hearts. Keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Love on those trash cans so they find a better religion, I suppose. Pig love, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.